where we, a real-life mother and daughter duo, rewatch Gilmore Girls and discuss the misadventures of fictional mother and daughter duo Lorelai and Rory Gilmore. I am Tessa Dare, a writer and the author of the paranormal mystery series The Karans and Chronicles, and Beth's daughter, and I am on my second coffee today. Yes, and I recognize the mic you're drinking out of because I bought it for you. It's a, it's the one with the books on it. <laughs> yes, got Little Women, Jane Eyre, Pride and Prejudice, Sherlock Holmes. It's the book mug. Uh, and I have the same cup, um, although I am drinking out of the Luke's mug cup that you brought me. So we're, we're kind of, you know, drinking out of the mugs that we bought for each other. Okay, so I'm Beth, Tessa's mom and also a writer. Tessa and I have been talking about politics and art and culture pretty much since she could read. These conversations have frequently taken on a marathon quality, so at some point, one of us said we should move our discussions to the digital world, maybe even into a podcast. The Gilmore seems like a good choice because the story resonates with us. I was a single mother of a teenage daughter attending a private school we could not afford, and many of the show's plot lines touch on topics we like to discuss, such as images of women in popular culture, structural elements of storytelling like character development, and of course, our favorites, music and movies in general. So here we are. I'm in St. Louis. Tess is in Seattle. And I've really only had one cup of coffee today. My stomach is a little upset, so I have switched to La Croix, or as the French say, La Croix. Um, <laughs> and we were talking about this just a minute ago. Uh, cantaloupe and pink grapefruit is the flavor, but they call it melon, pomelo. Mm-hmm. So there I, we go. Yeah. That's, but I am drinking it out of my Luke's mug. I think the famous flavor is pomplemousse. Which I oh, think is yeah. just regular grapefruit. Regular grapefruit. Yeah. Uh, and we now have a Patreon. If you would like to support us on Patreon, you can find us at patreon.com slash where you lead. Every week, we will start off with a synopsis of the episode along with the date it aired before heading into our discussion. Today, we are discussing season one, episode 19. We only have two episodes left left after this. Mm-hmm. Emily in Wonderland, which originally aired April 26, 2001. And that title is a, is a pretty good one, actually. <laughs> I did not come up with an alternate one, but maybe as we talk, I will. Yeah, I don't think I came up with an alternate one either. Uh, I also didn't actually write out an episode overview, but Emily finally visits Stars Hollow for real, really gets uh, the lay of the land, and then Rory takes her to the little shack where she lived for the first few years of her life, and Emily sort of has a traumatic response to mm-hmm. seeing this place. The, the side plot is Rachel Luke's mm-hmm. yeah. ex and former or ex and current girlfriend, I guess, is trying yeah. to get Luke to commit to her more. Or rather she she is trying to convince Luke that she is finally truly committed to their relationship. And yet he says in the course of these this episode, because we believe her. We believe her. Lorelai believes her. Lorelai believes some, her. Yeah, at some point he says, I always believe her too. And then it doesn't happen. So we, yeah. we know there's there's foreshadowing all through this episode. I don't remember the last two episodes, but I am assuming 
based on this one that Rachel is going to leave again. So anyway, but let's get started. Yeah. Um, so we open up with, we're looking at baby pictures. We're not actually looking at them because they don't exist. Or I guess. She's, oh yeah, we're she, talking about baby yeah, pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking yeah. about them. Yeah. Uh, it's been a couple days. I just wrote baby pictures. And <laughs> yeah, we're, it's another dinner at the grandparents' house. Grandpa Richard is yet again absent and Rory asks if she can see baby pictures of her grandparents uh, for a school project. It's like a genealogy thing yeah. or something. And and Emily's totally into that because yes. she's into she into, into ba- anything for school. But mm-hmm. I want to make a point about Edward Herman here. He was originally, I think, envisioned to be just an occasional character mm-hmm. in, in the show. And we, in the first half of the season, really, um, the first half of the first season, we see him a lot. Mm-hmm. But then it, then it gets sporadic. And the thing is, Edward Herman's a pretty big character actor. He, he was in demand, and he made a lot of movies. So yeah. he, he I think he knew what, going into this that he wasn't going to be in every episode. Yeah. He just he just couldn't do it. But anyway, so so they are sitting at the table, the dining room table, without, without Grandpa. Mm-hmm. And she says, somehow, I, I guess it's Emily who reveals that, that there are no baby pictures of Lorelai. Well, Rory says that Lorelai has told her that there are no baby pictures of her, but she doesn't believe her. Yeah. Uh, right. And Emily confirms that it is true and says, because when your mother was seven, I came downstairs and found her burning all her baby pictures. And at that point, do you wonder, do you sit there and think, did her disillusionment with her family go back to that age? Was she that young? I mean, when, I, was she was doing this. I mean, this is my first thought before we yeah. find out what happened. But my first thought was, was she that mad at her family that <laughs> yeah. early was in she, life? Her, the rebellion began at seven. <laughs> Did the rebellion begin at the age of seven? But so go ahead and tell the story. Yeah. So then Rory says, why would you do that? I'm sure you were a cute baby. And Emily says, she was. She was very cute. And then Lorelai aptly goes something like four, three, two, one. And then Emily finishes the thought, which is in most respects. So she, <laughs> she can't even, she, she couldn't even uncomplicatedly enjoy her, her baby's cuteness. She being Emily, basically the reveal is that she has been critical of Lorelai since day one, literally. Yeah. But in this case, she, the reason was that Lorelai had a big head yes, as a baby, Laura, a Laura huge head. And it only affected her balance a little, was, yeah. is the quote that I wrote down. She had a huge head. And what we don't know if this is true or not because Lorelai has burned all the photographs. Mm-hmm. And you wonder if she if she came to believe that herself or if she just realized, even at the age of seven, that her mother was hypercritical of her. Well, she, she says that her mom would not stop talking about it. Like, yeah, that so her the mom only was... way to get to stop her was to get rid of the pictures. Yeah. 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 So yeah, so. I, I I thought this was a very effective opener in the span of like three sentences. You kind of oh, get my God. the entire scope of their relationship, which is, okay, Lorelai burned her pa- baby pictures. That's crazy. Why did she do it? Well, because her mom was endlessly critical of her as a baby. Baby. So she clearly had kind of a complex about it and didn't want to be reminded of how big her mom thought her head was. <laughs> And you can kind of see that Emily still doesn't see that what she she did was wrong. And and this kind of reminded me uh, of a similar situation with my mother. So I'm wondering if it's a generational thing or an era thing, because my mother thought it was perfectly fine to matter of factly say, well, you know, you can't sing. And she would tell me all the time I couldn't sing. Mm. She she wouldn't say, oh, if you practice a little bit or maybe if we, you know, know," and, and, and I was in choir. I was in a couple of choirs, and she would tell me I couldn't sing. I got chosen for a choir. It was a select choir, and she told me I couldn't sing. 
she could not get it in her mind that this was insulting to me. Because to her, it was just matter of fact. I Well, you, you can't say it. was just a statement of fact. Yeah. But there's nothing offensive about it. I don't mean anything about it. I'm not trying to hurt you. It just is. And I think that's what Emily is doing here, too. Well, it just was. You just had a big bad head. I, I wasn't, I didn't love you any less, but you had a big head. <laughs> and it only affected her balance a little. <laughs> yeah. And it's just kind of like, okay, well, that may be true, but do you understand that children have feelings? <laughs> like... Apparently, I, that's why I say I'm thinking that this is behavior that comes out of a different era when people, the, the era when people didn't smile and photographs mm. when the era when childhood wasn't really considered a thing yeah. that emily and my mother may be about the same age and may have grown up in this era when life was so different for children that you and i and lorelei can't grasp it because yeah. that just does, makes no sense to us i you mean know, it was we, also you know the the concept of like preserving someone's childhood is relatively modern i think also in that era yes like life was different but also we didn't really treat children like they were children you know a lot of kids had to start working pretty early like we we didn't really see childhood as something that needed to be preserved or children as things that need to be nurtured you know we just saw them as like tiny adults and eventually they would be bigger adults so i'm actually looking up here the what year the law was passed that ended childhood child labor and that 1938 relatively recently and of course we're, we're we're experiencing today in the headline news this week stories about well i can't remember which state it is has overturned or passed a new law that will allow children to be employed at a younger age they're doing away with with some part of their state's childhood laws and i want to say it's it's indiana but that may be wrong it's one or higher one of those kind of states that they have a republican governor and she was just there was a, a video of her walking walking along and smiling and talking about how she was so proud of them passing this law so and, and then and then just a few days later on Instagram saw a series of photographs of this photographer a man and I cannot remember his name there were a lot of photographers during the depression who did great work they were supported by the government uh, part of the WPA or whatever so this photographer focused on uh, child labor the way he framed his photographs was he would photograph the child's face head on not mm-hmm. looking down not looking to the side but head on so you got the look in their eyes and and it was all you know black and white of course so it's very stark yeah and then there would there would be and the, and the child would be the focal point of the you know wasn't on the side was head head on straight in the middle and these are horrifying photos <laughs> i just yeah. want to say these are horrifying photos and these people don't think anything of going back to this. And I understand that some children work on farms. And farm farm family life is a little bit different. And the expectation has always been for children and farm families to help out on the farm. Mm-hmm. I understand that completely. But there are already laws in place that allow an exception for farm families during the months when school is not in session. That's an exception that farm states make. And even then, I think they have to be... 12 or 13 years old you can't yeah i mean push it back farm work is also very physically dangerous so it's it is yes there should still be a minimum age requirement there but anyway so but anyway so the point is yeah emily comes from an older generation and it just doesn't occur to her that this might have that that lorelei's behavior might be a direct result of emily's behavior you know, mm-hmm. she didn't yeah. she didn't burn the pictures out of spite. She burned them because it hurt her to see them because of the way her mother talked about her. Here's my question about Emily. If Lorelai has focused 
done this so many times during the course of her life is she has mentioned to her mother how hurtful it is to her, the way her mother has talked about her and, you know, just matter-of-factly insulted her, not just about this, but about many other things. Why does she not learn? She's a really smart woman. Yeah. Why doesn't she change her behavior? Why doesn't she acknowledge? I mean, I can see she doesn't want to acknowledge she's done wrong. Yeah. But she could slightly change her behavior, which is why when we see her come into the, the town in, in the next couple of scenes, it's kind of heartening because, well, here we are thinking, well, maybe... Maybe this is it. Maybe this is what she needs to see is this life that is so different from, different from hers. Yeah, I mean, I think she just has a preconceived narrative in her head that Lorelai is spiteful. So I think whenever Lorelai mm-hmm. tries to point these things out, she thinks that Lorelai is just trying to hurt her. She doesn't see yeah. that there's, you know, real honesty there. Yeah, and actually later on, and then maybe the very next scene, Lorelai says, she does not hear me when I talk to her. And and I have just given up. I completely get that. Before they leave, leave her, house so the next the other topic of conversation is the chairs uh which is is important to, to mention because it sets up the big part of the, the episode so yeah. uh she has bought new chairs for the dining room table mm-hmm. rory notices that lorelei doesn't notice she is oblivious to that kind of stuff although she's really not she, so I'm, I'm surprised that she never notices these things that might be a deliberate yeah getting back at her mother but but rory notices it and emily describes how it took her forever to find these particular chairs she'd been looking for a long time she's really into antiques and she could only find 10 so she was two chairs she didn't have 12 and 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 laurelie comes back and says two chairs short of a set you're telling me yeah (laughs) so i thought that was pretty funny but that focus on the on antiques and collecting and trying to find specific things prompts rory To invite her grandmother to come to Stars Hollow and go antiquing with her because her best friend, Lane, her mother, has an antique shop. So that's how we get Emily into the town. Yeah, basically, uh, Emily is complaining that she told one of her other high society friends about all of her favorite antique spots. And now that friend has scoped them all out and taken everything that she wants. So there's there's no longer a, an antique shop that has the things that she wants. So Rory tells her about Kim's antiques and Emily is immediately pretty excited about it. And they decide mm-hmm. to go the next day. Lorelai, of course, is horrified and uh, keeps mentioning that she has to work. So she won't be joining them. I think the difference as you were speaking, what was occurring to me, and the difference is that for me, for Emily, she likes to collect. And, and it's either a certain quality or it's a certain maker or, you know, there's just there's something about it. But she's a classic antiquer. But her daughter, Lorelai, also collects things. But she's a very different... Very different approach. She collects what she likes. Yeah. Not not necessarily. She like she she gets intrigued by things, and she may have a whole collection of something. We'll talk about it in a minute. But her mother collects because it's a standard, or you know, it it, it meets her quality standard. Because you know, those chairs that she got ten of probably cost her thousands and thousands and thousands. Oh of yeah. Dollars. Yeah. So the the next scene is actually a Saturday breakfast at Luke's because I, I remember because he brings her out a plate of pancakes and eggs Mm. but he puts the eggs on the pancakes and Lorelai apparently can't eat them that way so she makes him go all the way to the back they're looking at her they have eyes now and they're looking at her (laughs) so he she makes him go all the way to the back and move the eggs off and then bring the plate back 
Uh, and this is when we see Rachel again, uh, and she comes over while Lorelai and Rory are eating breakfast and shows her some pictures that she took, starting off with a picture that she took of Lorelai and Luke sitting on the bench in the last mm-hmm. episode. It's actually a pretty romantic picture, but nobody comments on that. And uh, Rachel, you know, she's she's got a photographer's eye, and she basically immediately starts gushing about how beautiful Lorelai is and how she has these great mm-hmm. eyes. Uh, and then she asks Luke, doesn't she have great eyes? And Luke responds so awkwardly. He's like, yeah, they're they're placed real good, symmetrical. <laughs> and Rachel starts talking to Lorelai about an old inn she has found. Yes. And it's foreshadowing because we know we've seen most of the series going mm-hmm. forward seven years that she eventually, I don't know if it's that particular location. I think it, it, it is. It is, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, they, they when they do go to see it, it was it's funny to me because I'm looking at it and I'm like, this looks exactly like Lorelai's house. I and know, right? exactly like the, the, inn. the current inn. It's yeah, like they like all look like the, the same, same building. The same building for all three of these. And do they think we wouldn't notice? <laughs> yeah. I will they do cut to the actual inn at one point and i think it does have a different front but it is like the exact style of building it's a style I, and, and yeah. her house it's exa- yeah. it's it's her house so i i don't know if they just had set designer who didn't have much imagination or they didn't have know. a good budget or, or yeah. what they did but wow it's the but same it anyway exactly so the same yeah so she and rachel go and look at this house and she talks to her about it and says that she and Suki have this dream about opening their own inn mm-hmm. and uh and you know it's going to happen someday and, and it is a it's it's a it's an adorable house it looked a bit small for an inn to me I, well it does but then later on in the episode Suki says something about it being a bed and, bed breakfast, and breakfast yeah not an inn although a bed and breakfast is really hard to make a living off of for one person. Yeah. So I don't know how they would have a second person with, and especially with the inn, as we mm-hmm. find out also in this episode, which we have never seen before. But this inn has grounds to it. They have tennis courts that we've heard about the lake before, but we've never seen it. We see yeah. it. We I don't know if we see it in this episode, but they talk about we, it again. We do a little bit. There's like, and I think there's even like a swan in it or something. You see it a yeah, little bit. Yeah, they say, and yeah, and there's something else. Horses. Yeah. They have horses on on the property. And plus, of course, they have the restaurant. The, yeah. Suki runs a full-service gourmet restaurant mm-hmm. in this inn. And, of course, the building does not look that big. So yeah. when when they show it, there's a lot in this inn. But I think the thinking is that they start with the bed and breakfast and they keep adding and they on can to expand. it. So, yeah. yeah so that, but anyway, so she's telling Rachel about her dreams about this. And, and there is a little bit of bonding there and foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. I think they do also mention this. So the, the building that they're looking at used to be an inn they call it the dragonfly inn dragonfly inn yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and so yeah yeah rachel uh, i think rachel's just like she's showing her her pictures and and lorelei just happens upon the picture of the inn Mm -hmm. and gets really intrigued by it and then remembers it's the dragonfly inn and they decide to go and and look Mm -hmm. at it together but yeah and that this is kind of we we have talked before uh lorelei and suki have talked before about wanting to run their own inn but this is kind of the first time that we've seen more or something more concrete about that. This could be an yeah. actual place where they, they actually start the end. I don't know how much we want to talk about this subplot, but there is a subplot with Rune again. Oh my God. The only reason to talk about it is because of the one good line she has in this scene. But basically, Rune is staying with Jackson, Jackson. because yeah. he's lost his job. He's been evicted. Rune is a very difficult person. And just to, mm-hmm. to back up and, and remind listeners, Rune was in an episode, four or five episodes ago, 
ago, double date. Maybe it wasn't even that. Maybe it was only three episodes ago, but they were on a double date. He's a horrible person. Just rude. And he talked about how tall Lorelai was, which mm-hmm. was very rude to her. The whole situation was very difficult, but now he needs a job. And Suki begs, can you give him a job and a place to live? Mm-hmm. So she she loves Suki. She will do anything to keep her happy. And it, it's affecting Suki's and Jackson's relationship yeah. that Rune is still living with Jackson. So he, yeah. she really, the I think the implication being that they can't have sex because Rune is in the next room. I mean, the, I think room. also just that like Suki also doesn't like this guy and doesn't, doesn't want him yeah, around. Nobody likes him. Yeah. Nobody likes him. So she agrees to hire him as a, as a part-time handyman mm-hmm. and give him room and board living in the, the tool shed that we'll talk about again in a minute. But the, the line that I loved is that she tells, she calls him Boo Radley. And I can't remember the exact line, but, but Rune is now Boo Radley because of course he is. And Boo Radley, of course, is the, the weirdo character in Kill a Mockingbird. Kill a Mockingbird, yeah. Yeah. And he's the one, my, my image of him is, in, you know, and the actor is a great actor, Robert Duvall. It was one of his very first, first roles. Mm-hmm. But the, my image of him is he's, he's been kind of made out to be a scary character. Mm-hmm. He's really not. But mm-hmm. but the first time you see him, he's hiding behind the door. And she mm-hmm. opens the door. And it's not a scary movie. But the first time I saw this, she opened the door and he's standing there and he's bald and scary looking. And I jumped out of my chair. So that's my image of Boo Radley. Yeah. <laughs> even yeah. though even though I know it's Robert Duvall and, and the character ends up being a really cool character. But anyway, so, but yes, the scary Boo Radley is the one that she is comparing Rune to. And oh my yeah. God, it's a perfect comparison because Rune yeah. is just, and we're, are you? Any, so you know what we're saying not ruin mm-hmm. but rune and he's awful there's a couple different scenes with him but i don't think we need to go that into them I, no i i will say like i think my favorite way of using rune is just like having him show up and having michelle just insult him <laughs> like my, my favorite has great people radar yes he's, he's really good he knows yeah. a good person from a bad person and he, I mean, he has this instant dislike of Rune, and yet he instantly falls in love with Emily when she yes. when she talks to him because he speaks French. He understands a lady of taste culture. and means yeah. and culture when he when yeah. he meets her. Instantly loves her. Instantly hates Rune. That comparison, that that contrast between those two, is is just a fabulous couple of it's scenes. It's great. So yeah, he's when he sees Rune, he says, "Are you sure you're in the right place? Perhaps you want the YMCA." or the local bus station. <laughs> the next scene is uh, Emily showing up at Lorelai and Rory's house, which is where we learn of Lorelai's collection, collection, which is Charlie's Angels plates. And I didn't realize that there were this many Charlie's Angels in the original okay. show, but there's apparently <laughs> Kate Jackson, Shelley Hack, Cheryl Ladd, Farrah Fawcett, Jacqueline Smith, and Tanya Robert. Is it Robert yeah, or Robert? so with an S, I think. Okay. So I, I never watched this show when it was on, and I don't know why, because I love Farrah Fawcett, still do, but she left pretty early on. Mm-hmm. And the other three, the, so the original three were Farrah Fawcett, Jacqueline Smith, Kate Jackson, I think. Kate Jackson, love her. She has that grovelly voice. You've, you, you, you've probably seen her in things. Here's a connection for you. Uh, she was in a show called Garecrow and Mrs. King, I think. Boy, this is a memory from way back. And it starred... 
the guy who was then later in that favorite show of, of yours set in outer space. No, I can't. Battlestar Galactica? <laughs> no, it's the other one. Star Trek. No, his name is Bruce. Firefly. Fox Lightner. He was in Scarecrow and Mrs. King, Babylon 5. I have seen like one episode of Babylon 5. That is I not thought my you favorite loved show. Babylon 5. Okay. No, Dad right. loved Babylon 5. Oh, I've seen okay. one episode. Yeah. It's easy for me to get you and your father confused. I'm teasing. <laughs> Thank you. Teasing. Totally teasing. <clears throat> and you can keep that in the episode if you want. So Babylon 5. Actually, it was not a bad show. Mil- Billy Mooney was in it. But anyway, so that's the connection there. Kate Jackson was one of the original Charlie's Angels. The way Rory describes this, she's so serious about it. She said, oh, but the fair faucets. So, so apparently when you're collecting these plates, some of them are easier to get than others. She says, Kate Jackson's are easy, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah is easy. But the Farrah Fawcett's and Jacqueline Smith's are hard to come by, come by, but still accessible. The real trick is to find a Tanya Roberts. Yeah. And I'm sitting here with my head in my hands, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God. And but the, but the precious thing about the scene is the look on Emily's face. <laughs> She's just both horrified and fascinated. <laughs> Yeah. And it's just, it's that, I'm telling you, this actress, she is. She she is very good. She is so good. I'm just, I had to stop it and laugh. Yeah, she, I mean, she she picks up the plate and says, your plates have women in bikinis on them. So if she's, if she's, she said they have a complete collection now, I think, mm-hmm. of all of them. So yeah. how many plates do they have? I don't know. <laughs> I don't anyway, know. funny scene. Very funny. And actually, this whole episode is a very funny episode. I yeah, mean, it is, it is a funny episode. There were scenes like this throughout the whole episode, and I was... I really enjoyed it. I have, you know, concerns about it towards the end. But overall, the laughter quotient was really good. Yeah, this was a good episode. Uh, So after they uh, are looking at the plates, Rory tells Emily that she wants them to walk through the town because that's the only way to get the true experience. The walking is better Mm -hmm. than driving. About two two and a half miles. But Emily didn't bring good walking shoes. No. She's walking into the house where there's no sidewalk. Yeah. And and I'm I'm like, I hadn't realized it until then. But she doesn't have a front sidewalk so mm-hmm. emily's got these chunky heels on that get all muddy and i mean she doesn't know. really have a driveway either there's like no a hint of gravel there but yeah she pulls into the front yard to park <laughs> yeah so rory goes to get her some shoes some some of lorelei's shoes and emily says all right but i won't wear anything with rhinestones or zebra stripes or anything that has batteries or that sings or make an- makes animal noises or moves on its own I wrote that whole thing down, yeah. too, because I thought, this is class. And, he, and and the thing about that is, she gets her daughter. Yeah, I mean, those she are knew all every, things everything, that would have. Everything she hits, it's like, yes, yes, she would She would have that. She would mm-hmm. have that. Absolutely. I mean, she has a collection of Charlie's Angels plates. Mm-hmm. So you know she's got a pair of shoes with zebra stripes. And we have seen her love hideous things that are covered mm-hmm. in rhinestones. Uh, then we do cut to Lorelai and Rachel at the Dragonfly Inn. We've already talked mm-hmm. about this a little bit, um, but the other part of the scene is that this is when Rachel reveals that she wants to settle down with Luke. And I don't think they talk about his hesitancy yet, uh, but she does reveal to Lorelai that she's finally thinking, they, they kind of talk about their respective dreams, and she says that she didn't specifically want to be a photographer, but she did want to do something that would take her all over the world. Yeah, She wanted to be anywhere but here, but kind of all the time. And that's how she became a photographer, but now she is finally thinking that it's time to settle down with Luke. And I, th- I think it happens later, but eventually she reveals that Luke is the one who 
doesn't trust her. He kind of doesn't believe yeah. that she really wants to settle down this time. And that's what she's kind of struggling with. And actually, she, as she's talking about it, it's so obvious that Lorelai is a little bit freaked out about this, too. Yes. She likes Rachel. They're definitely bonding. But seeing Rachel that interested in Luke and not really comprehending the whole history of mm-hmm. how many times she's done this, she, she realizes that if she is interested in Luke, it's too bad. It's over. This is this is what's going to happen. So, yeah. Because, you know, they already have a history. So if, if Luke and Rachel are really together again, it's kind of already a much more serious relationship. And, and this is kind of the first time that Lorelai has had to see him be truly interested in someone who isn't mm-hmm. her. Yeah. And it's, you know, immediately more serious than it would be if it were mm-hmm. a new person. Which brings up all over again the question of why haven't uh, Lorelai and Luke got together and I think it is because they are just so afraid that that what they have now will no longer exist if they get together and it doesn't work out I think they both feel that way because they're pretty good friends yeah and I do think that Lorelai is probably in denial about her feelings most of the time yeah, she like, is. <laughs> this this situation is forcing her to look at them a little bit more. But, you know, I mean, she, and she never says at any point out loud in the episode that she has feelings about this. It's all just sort of in the pauses and in the, like, long stares that the camera catches, Ex- but nobody else expressions. does. Expressions. Yeah. Yeah. So, meanwhile, Emily has been convinced to wear these tennis shoes. Yes. And they look great on her, but she yes. says she looks like a Clydesdale yes. until they start walking. And mm-hmm. then she says... She has a lot of positive things to say. She says the town is beautiful. She's the loving shoes it, yeah. are great. But now, does she say that before or after her her interaction after. with Mrs. Kim? Okay, yeah. so let's I get think, to Mrs. I think Kim. I think it's Mrs. Kim and the antique had, shop that really wins. Really, Emily really over. get it for her. So she, yeah. I had a feeling. I had a feeling mm-hmm. she and Mrs. Kim were going to hit it off. They, mm-hmm. they both love the antiques. Same. They're the same people. And <laughs> <laughs> they both they both love antiques they like they both love haggling they're mm-hmm. both business women i mean emily would never work but she's still a businesswoman at heart and she's got that approach to life very kind of hard-nosed yeah and knows a good deal and knows a bad deal when she sees it and so they haggle over uh, a piece of furniture yes. i don't think it's the first one we saw it's the first thing she looks at she really loves the detail on it but then when yeah. they actually start talking about a piece of furniture it's something else it's, I think. it's a different and, thing yeah and they, yeah. they kind of go back and forth with their haggling and Rory and Lane are watching them. And I think it's Lane who says it's like watching the Williams sisters because they're just yeah. back and forth, back and forth. Like nobody yeah, it misses. Was. It was great. And they you know, neither one of them missed a beat. It was it yeah. was great. Yeah, it was a great oh, scene. And then the the other subplot that's happening, this episode is like packed with subplots. The other subplot mm-hmm. that's happening is that Lane has not yet gotten a call from Henry, the boy that she met at the Chilton dance that she went to with Rory. Uh so she's freaking out a little bit about that. But yeah, so then then we cut back to the inn and this is where Michelle meets Rune first uh, mm-hmm. and has some good back and forth with him and then Rune gets shuffled off and Emily shows up and Emily and Michelle immediately get along they start talking in French it's like one of the few times that we see him smile and laugh and you know even before the even before they start really talking she gives him her hand in a in the very in the French manner yes you know not not a handshake but a hand to be kissed like she hears his accent and immediately knows that that's what she should do she puts a hand out he kisses it they're completely enthralled with each other mm-hmm. and you know you know that Lorelai loves Michelle, but she's also 
kind of combative with him. Well, she's his boss. And they have a natural, good-natured, contentious relationship. I mean, it's a kind of a back and forth where they try to outdo one another with Mm one-liners. And... But none of that is, is happening with Emily. And and I'm I'm kind of surprised that Michelle doesn't say something to Lorelai later on about how, wow, your mother and you are nothing alike. He, yeah, he doesn't say that. He does say, I love your mother. Mm, he, that's all he says, yeah. So Rory takes Emily to yes. the potting shed where they where she lived for the first couple of years of her life. She wants to show her the whole ground. So they go yeah. past the horses and they go past the tennis courts. And I had no idea the stuff was there. Emily yeah. had no idea the stuff was there. Um, they mentioned the lake. I'm not sure we actually see the lake, but they talk about it. There is a body of water behind them while they're walking. I okay. Think. So then they get to the potting shed and Rory is so excited. She wants to share this part of her life mm-hmm. with her grandmother. And she brings her in. She does neither one of them knows that Rune is in the process of moving in. And mm-hmm. so the whole scene while it's happening, I'm like, Rune's gonna walk in at any minute or he's in the bathroom, you know, not dressed or something. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so it's basically a one room garage mm-hmm. kind of thing that's been dressed up a little bit. And there's a bathtub that you have to bring a, you know, a shower that she had to she had to take to hang a shower curtain around it. And it's just it's it's a very primitive thing but but Lorelai and baby Rory lived here for the first two or three years or whatever of Rory's life and she is so excited to show this to her grandmother and her grandmother's standing there with this horrified look on her face mm-hmm. and it's it's like Rory broke the spell that they that she had established with her grandmother by mm-hmm. showing it her and Emily there's a lot going on in her face I think she feels guilty I think she feels ashamed, but I also think she feels angry. She's and angry, I, yeah. this come, comes up later on that her daughter could reject the genteel life that she had mm-hmm. with her parents to live in a potting shed. Yeah. And it's a kick in the ass to her at this point. Yeah. She's really, it's really like a kind of a fuck you moment. She, she realizes what her daughter did. Yeah. I think Rory really romanticizes her early yeah, life. And, she does. you know, to her, like she and her mom were happy in the potting shed. Yeah. I think they, they lived there until she was like six or seven or maybe even older. There have mm. been references to when they moved into the house, but... Oh, um, that's right. She she was 11, wasn't she? Yeah, but maybe I don't she know. she was seven. I, I'm not sure that they moved they directly moved from into the, the potty. Inn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, th- yeah. I think they lived... I think they might have moved in an actual... They might have lived in an actual room in the inn for I a mean, while. I think we can assume that there are several people who live on the ground. So yeah. Michelle might live, might live in the hotel somewhere. It's possible, yeah. And... Yeah, so it could be that they had their they had rooms in the hotel later on, but when they first lived there, she was just a scullery maid. I mean, her, yeah. her father has said that about her. She was a maid. She cleaned the room. She was 16. Yeah. She was lucky to get the potting shed. I mean, she and really was. It's very clear also when Suki asks if Rune can move into the potting shed, Lorelai is pretty resistant to it too, and it's clear that it's because she also has positive feelings. I mean, yes. that was the first place she lived on her own. It's like yes. her first apartment, basically. It's her first apartment. She raised her. She had her baby girl while she was living there. She raised her for, on her own for the first few years, probably with a lot of help from the yeah. from the community and the neighborhood, which is why the the community is so fond of Rory because they all help to take mm-hmm. care of her when she was a baby. So good memories for her. Good memories for for Lorelai and for Rory. But yeah, when Emily sees it, she doesn't see any of that. She sees no. that her daughter hated her so much that she would rather live in a shed than in their very nice house, which is apparently yeah. so big that Emily can just dedicate a whole new room to Rory uh, at the drop of a hat. But and we'll it's get a to room. That. It's a room that is bigger. 
than the yeah. potting shed they lived in. Yeah, yeah, the potting shed is not big. My biggest question about the potting shed is, did they have a heater and how insulated was it? Because I have lived in Connecticut uh-huh. in houses in the winter and nearly frozen to death. <laughs> yes, and, and the thing that I remember about th- that last house that you lived in was you were in a part of the house that was I, off. Like, just it was just a single room off, so you had windows where the wind just mm-hmm. whipped right through. Well, and, also, it was the, the room that I lived in was originally... Uh, like semi outdoor laundry room it had been yeah. converted to have yeah. more insulation but not super well so yeah but it was, it was all really windows. cold in that room i mean you had a front porch which was the great thing yes. about that room you had private access it was a great room it was just it cold. was a great room it was just cold because there were so many windows and it wasn't part of the main house it mm-hmm. stuck yeah. out from the house so the wind just swept right through it and yeah, yeah that was awful that was a great room, oh, but a very also cold the, room. you know it was it was a, a college owned building so i, I think think the the door kind of had like a little bit of a gap at the bottom oh sure yeah <laughs> so even though it had a heater just yeah there was like literally the heat would just like escape through the door on yeah. the other hand it was a door directly to the outside so i did have my own entrance to it was private yeah so like there there were upsides to it and the entrance went right onto the front porch which was this huge wraparound yeah, so had porch place to sit outside it was great yeah but, but yeah great. but the point just here cold. is that it was very freaking cold Connecticut gets cold in the winter. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Connecticut's mm-hmm. cold in the winter. So that's my biggest question. But apart from that, you know, it it is cute. They do have she did put up wallpaper. She did have to put up a curtain to separate the bathroom from the rest of the room, but it is a pretty curtain. It's kind of like I I can see both sides. I can see why him why Emily is a bit horrified, but I can also see why Rory and Lorelai romanticize it so much, especially Rory, and especially because when you're a little kid, you don't really have a concept of like size. Like it doesn't it didn't matter yeah. to her that they only had one room she was really... happy yeah she had she her mommy happy. she was happy yeah. and you know the, the emily's response too is that she's mad i mean she's probably at first a little horrified but then she's just mad yeah this is the scene that i went back to when emily or when uh, lorelei was saying later on that her mother doesn't hear her this is one of those situations she doesn't want to hear her she doesn't want to hear that she chose a different life than yes. Emily offered her. After that, we go back to Rachel and Lorelai. I believe this is when they are in Luke's apartment. Yeah, which is an awkward scene. Yes. I mean, that the entire time Lorelai is acting as awkwardly as I feel for her because mm-hmm. she should not be in Luke's private space. And she knows it. Yeah, but Rachel doesn't understand. She Rachel seems to be oblivious to the attraction between them. At this point, yeah, she she does seem. Yeah, it's weird. Like, uh, like and she w- took when the she pictures. First... She took the picture, the romantic picture of them. Yeah, yeah, and then showed it to her. It, it and didn't seem to see any kind of Mm-mm. romance there. It, yeah, it's it's weird. Rachel does seem like she is oblivious to what is actually happening between. Luke and Lorelai and the fact that Luke and Lorelai have maintained a very careful distance like I I think Mm -hmm. Lorelai tries to explain you know she explains that she has never been in Luke's apartment before and yeah she explains it as like they have a relationship that is limited to I want coffee no but and she kind of ends up trailing off but I think what what is really happening is that Lorelai in particular has maintained this distance because of the undercurrent of romance there uh so yeah, you know, the as, attraction. as long as she can yeah as long as she can keep things in a somewhat professional or at least not so intimate friendship. setting 
They're friends. Yeah. yeah, she keeps it at a friend level, and she goes off and has a relationship with Max, even though mm-hmm. she feels attracted to Luke. And she, and I always come back to what Rory said about it. You can't have a relationship with Luke because it will end, yeah. and then we won't be able to go back to the diner. And and yep. I think that's, that's a 16-year-old's view of it, but it's actually a pretty accurate one because they would not be able to go back to the diner or yeah. interact with Luke. And the thing is, the diner and Luke are very important parts of the town. Yeah. So to, to enter into a relationship that might not last is a risk. But yeah, so during this conversation, uh, I think ostensibly they're up there so that Rachel can give Lorelai more pictures or something. But Rachel has also brought her up there to explain at this point that she thinks that Luke does doesn't believe her when she says that she wants to stick around and she basically yeah. asks Lorelai to talk to him she on her behalf. En- enlisting her help. Which, you know, I I don't blame Lorelai for this at all. I think, you know, if someone asks you to do this and you see no reason not to, you totally should. But I, I do kind of blame Rachel for this. I don't think this, I don't think she should do this. I don't think it's appropriate for her well, to ask Lorelai to do this. I get, get the feeling that Rachel doesn't understand that she has, that she is fickle. That yeah. she has acted this exactly. way before and has hurt Luke. Mm-hmm. Everybody else knows it. Luke knows it. Now, Lorelai doesn't know it. She doesn't know the history. Yeah. We still don't understand why she doesn't know the history because she has lived in this town a long time. And we talked about this once before. We yeah. don't understand why she had never been aware of Rachel or mm-hmm. their history or, or any of Luke's past romantic history at all until the last couple of years. So I feel like that's exactly why I feel that it's inappropriate. Like, I, I don't think I don't think Rachel is intentionally being manipulative, but to mm-hmm. me, it's it is an interesting coincidence that the person that she went to to ask for help convincing Luke is the one person who doesn't know the background. Also, maybe she has picked up on the attraction mm. and she figures if it, if they're not going to act on it and she enlists Lorelai's help mm-hmm. and Lorelai is successful, then she'll get what she wants. So, but, but at this point, Luke can't trust her. Yeah, exactly. That's what it comes down to. And he cannot trust her. That's the thing. Is like As she was talking, I was like, I kind of can't help but see this from Luke's perspective where like he you know he's a really steady guy and we know that mm-hmm. she has done this to him more than once that there's that like yeah. it, it sounds like it has happened more than once that she has come around and claimed that she was going to stick around and then left without saying goodbye at one point mm-hmm. he says that she leaves without saying goodbye like she doesn't that's why she leaves stuff at his house that's yeah. why he has cl- clothing of hers at his house she just takes she off leave it out. And she just takes off she gets she gets a chance to go work somewhere and, and she just goes so if I were him, I absolutely would never trust her again. Nope, I mean, never to again. be honest, if I were him, I would have gotten rid of all of her stuff a long time ago. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I would just be like, no, we're done. You, you do this to me once, we're done. <laughs> like, you know, and, and another interesting thing about this episode is there are three different times where we see living spaces that are pretty small. So first it's the tool shed. Mm-hmm. And then it's Luke's apartment. And it's the, his apartment is over the diner. Yes. Uh, and it is a spacious apartment but because it, it's the f- same size footprint yeah. as, as the diner, but it's one room. And yeah. there are you know, no doors except for the bathroom, I guess. It's just the, the, a little kitchen, well, a dining they, area, living they area. They that it's supposed to be an office. It was his dad's office. It was office. Suppo- originally supposed to be an yeah. office. He, and he, he kept the office but added a bedroom, added a dining area. So he's got – it's like an efficiency apartment. But it's a very large efficiency apartment. It's just yeah. it's just one big space. It was more like a loft, I guess. So it's kind it's, of a it's studio. It's a very open – open space yeah studio and it's but it's but it's still compact in the Mm -hmm. sense that it's all in one room 
and we've just seen the, the potting shed, which was very similar but smaller. And then in a, in a few minutes, we're going to see the new bedroom at uh, mm. the grandparents' house. So yes. there, there are three different living spaces, that, and so there's kind of a, a thread there between them. So the, the, the joke that is happening throughout this scene and a little bit throughout the rest of the episode is that Luke's curtains are very girly. They're yeah. like sort of a, a yellowy beige with flowers on them. And, They're not very uh, attractive at all. No, I, like I hate them. Them. Um, <laughs> but Rachel immediately says that they that she didn't pick them out. They're too frilly for her taste. But then Luke later on does not admit that he picked them out and claims that Rachel did. Yes, he does. And I'm like, did Lorelai? Did she like them? I, I did she? I I mean, I think she starts off by saying, "Well, that's a choice" or something like that. Like, yeah, oh. I don't think the two women liked him. He liked yeah. him. And I'm like, oh, they're kind of ugly. And yeah, but, it's interesting because like they're, they're they think they're making fun of them for being too girly. And I'm just like, I don't care about how girly it is. If you want like curtains with flowers on them, that's fine. But like, this is just an ugly curtain. <laughs> it's just ugly curtain. And I'm, so my thinking is, he bought them on sale somewhere, and he didn't care what they look like. Possibly, so, but yeah, that, but the, that but that be. doesn't occur to either one of the women. They're, yeah. they're both just like, well, he's really got girly taste, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Anyway. Apart from that, his apartment is so brown. It's such a brown room. And then there's a yeah. brown couch. Everything in it is brown. Even the curtains are like a sort of a beige brown. brown. Yeah, I think the room is, the uh, bed has is beige. There's a, yeah. and, and I think it, it seems like it's, they didn't focus on it for very long, but it looked like it was a ca- uh, a couch bed, like a bed that had come out Possibly. from a couch. Yeah, and he I think just had never rolled it up. I don't know. It's definitely like not a very big bed. Uh, no, it's not a very big bed. But yeah, there's a lot of wood in this room. Yeah, a lot of wood. So a lot of brown, lot of brown. wood. I, that didn't mm-hmm. bother me. I love I love wood. But um, I don't, I mean I don't mind the brown or I sorry I don't mind the wood. But if your room is that much wood and then you get a brown leather couch, oh yeah yeah, I, I don't love it. <laughs> That couch is actually a style of couch that I've I have seen in so many movies in men's apartments. It's like yeah, they it's, a, it's like, like it's they use man, it over and over. It's a leather man standard. It's yeah. a man standard. It's like the, a leather uh, seating and arms, but then there's cloth in the background and the back mm-hmm. of it. So, and, which is just bizarre. Yeah. And but but I've seen it in, <laughs> so many times in cabins. I think it, it's often a, a it's a cast they use in sets that have cabins. Oh and yeah, and stuff. for yeah. sure. So. And you know the 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 apartment does kind of look like a cabin, which I guess it does. It does sort of fit with Luke's it personality. It does fit with his personality. So anyway, then we cut to Lane and Rory talking yes. about Henry, and this is an interesting conversation. Yeah. Because Lane Lane basically says that she likes Henry, but she's afraid that if she they start dating, she would like him too much, and then her parents would like him, and mm-hmm. then he would he would leave. Well, I think it's that she is afraid that once her parents meet him, she won't be interested in him anymore because yeah. they'll oh, love him. Oh, is that him. what it is? I thought yeah. she would say that he wouldn't be interested in her because his parents would smother him. Their no, parents would smother she, him. she okay. was saying that once her parents find out that he's Korean and is going to be a doctor, they'll love him and that will ruin the That will ruin it for her. her. Yeah, it does kind of make sense, actually. But It does make sense. It is a little bit sad. Although she does, I think at the end of this conversation, she reveals that like he has called her and left a message and she has actually called him back so she's saying all of this stuff but she has in fact already called him back yeah and the thing is he does fit her parents requirements 
but he also fits her requirements. He loves yeah. the same kind of music she loves. And in fact, they they danced so they they did they did dance together, but I don't know that we saw that much about his musical interests. We mainly just no, saw No, we that didn't he's see like it. We're just hearing Rory talk about it. You la- you danced with him so much and you're yeah. a terrible dancer, so that's saying something. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But she's gloomy. And this is the part that I like. She talks yes. about how, how gloomy she is. She says, she's somebody else gloomy. Then she says, I'm Nick Char- Cave gloomy. Charlie Parker. Well, so it's. Well, that uh, Charlie Parker's later. But it, she st- starts it starts with, with Rory saying that she likes the song they're listening to because it makes her feel gloomy. And then, yeah, she goes, like, Lane lists a bunch of different kinds of gloomy. Yeah. Naming and the a bunch she, of different people. So this is really bad because she mis- mentions Nick Cave. Yes. Now, 20 years ago, Nick Cave was a different Nick Cave. Today, Nick Cave is a man who had three children and lost two of them. Yes. One of them fell off a cliff. I mean, yeah. And then the other one just died a couple years ago. I don't even know much about Nick Cave. I don't know his music. I think he was like punk, which makes sense because she loves punk music. But he comes out of that era. But yeah, he wanted wanted his oldest child, I think, was grown and was walking, hiking somewhere and fell off a cliff. And Mm -hmm. then the other, a second child died from an illness, I think, just a couple Mm -hmm. years ago. And so he has actually written a lot about grief and has, that's why she says Nick Cave gloomy. He's now known for his grief songs mm. grieving songs and and writing he's done a lot of writing about it too anyway so he's lost two songs then she goes into and says i'm deep in Char- charlie parker gloomy <laughs> that was R- funny at least yeah rory says that her gloomy is a johnny cash gloomy johnny cash gloomy yes yes, yes. <laughs> and then lane you know, says that- johnny cash is not gloomy he's got a deep kind of a boating uh, yeah deep, dark voice but he's never gloomy i, mean, I don't well, think the description that lane gives in response to that is like oh so it's like you just got out of prison and someone shot your yeah horse, but you've got your girl by your side which yeah like <laughs> you know a little bit like a classic older country song but not really gloomy more just sort of like no okay so you've down got on the details luck. down yeah you've got the details down but you don't really have the spirit of the song yeah because his songs are all about redemption and mm-hmm. yeah he's been in prison and some prison brew blues and all that but but it's getting out of he's well you know, anyway, and this so. was this was i'm pretty sure this was before his cover of uh hurt came out which hurt oh, is a gloomy song it's and a that gloomy is maybe song. his gloomiest song but this was before that he also recorded that very close to his own death yes. so he in that those last couple of years he was really he really was gloomy but then yeah. you're right this is way before that also it's way before nick cave lost both of his sons yeah so I, I, it's yeah. like so maybe the, i don't know <laughs> But um, but yeah, but so she says Charlie Parker, and then after they talk a little bit, she says that she's now Lou Reed gloomy, which I mm. guess is a step more gloomy. And again, <laughs> Lou Reed is not gloomy. Yeah. I, so- <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the songs that I've heard from Lou Reed are not gloomy, so I don't know. But the other thing that's interesting about the conversation is that they are going back and forth with all of these musical references to all of these, like, much older musicians Mm -hmm. and much more, like, classic rock or, like, other styles. And then her grandmother calls, Rory's grandmother calls, and asks her if she likes NSYNC or 98 Degrees, which just is such a stark contrast to what they've been talking about. And then she says, or do you like the backside boys? Yeah, that's pretty funny. Even I know that that's wrong. But it sounds, it feels to me when they go through the the Nick Cave and Johnny uh, Cash and Charlie Parker and Lou Reed thing, that they're just dropping names. The writers are just name dropping. Absolutely. They 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 clearly do not know these people's work. Blues music, by the way, it's not, although Charlie Parker may be more... 
jazz. But blues music is not necessarily blue in the sense of being sad. It's based on the blue notes. There's actually mm-hmm. a set of notes that they use in blues music that are called the blue notes. Yeah. And that's where the word blues comes from. So it's not because it's always sad. In fact, a lot of times it's very lively and, you know, heart-wrenching and a life way, you know, a living way. But anyway, but the point is they're just dropping names. Yeah. And then we get to NSYNC. And- <laughs> Which which makes a whole lot more sense. And, you know, and although you were sitting here going, what the hell? How does Emily know about NSYNC and the, I mean, the backside boys? I mean, it's 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 it soon becomes pretty clear what Emily's yeah. doing. But she's, yeah, we don't know then, but yeah, we do find yeah, out. Yeah, she's trying to figure out what kind of a teenage girl Rory is mm-hmm. so that, as we eventually reveal, so that she can create this room for her in her house. As but what kind are the of, other questions that she asks? Uh, she asks um, what her favorite color is and rory says blue she asks what her favorite or whether she prefers roses or lilies and rory Mm. says sunflowers sunflowers yeah she's kind of asking her what kinds of things that she likes in terms of aesthetics which we then get uh, a reveal uh that Mm -hmm. we can talk about in a second but yeah i mean i do feel like the conversation between lane and rory i absolutely agree it is the writer's name dropping but i do think to a certain extent it is kind of a realistic teenage conversation because i feel like a lot of the time when you listen to music as a teenager you don't necessarily immediately always understand the complexity of the feelings that are being talked about but you can kind of see how how cool the mood is and be attracted to that so you might be really interested in music that you think is depressing but you kind of are interested in it because you like the aesthetic of the depressingness. And 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 I'm wondering too if there aren't specific songs that they're that the writers have in mind. So yeah. because the the only one I write down is wrote down was after after realizing her parents will like Henry and then he won't like her anymore and whatever mm-hmm. the reason but that that progression of thought and then she says, now I'm a Lou Reed gloomy. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering if there's a specific song. And I don't know Lou, yeah. Lou Reed's canon yeah, well enough to know. Yeah, I'm not that familiar know. with him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I don't, I mean, I know one or two of his songs that I love. And that, that's that's about it. And, and he, so there might be a specific song that, yeah. that they're specifically referencing. But like, gives a song title. I mean, you know, I don't know. It's just a... It is a very cool scene, though. I mean, it is very are... funny to think of Rory imagining herself as a Johnny Cash type. Johnny Cash gloomy, yeah. Uh, all right, so yeah, the next scene, uh, the next scene is when Lorelai actually talks to Luke about Rachel. And the scene here is set in another space. Yes. So uh, that's another thing that, as I'm reading my notes on this, I'm like, well, maybe it's not just living spaces. But there's, and they, she, they walk into the storage room mm-hmm. where he's on, he's unpacking food supplies. Well, and he, she says, oh, I've never been in here before, but she has. Do you remember when they were looking yeah. at paint? When they were, mm-hmm. they were sitting on the floor in this very room looking at paint uh, samples to choose a paint for the restaurant so she has been in here before she has not not standing up (laughs) yeah also like there's a point where she's standing behind the counter and she says something like wow it looks so different from back here she's been back there before you've you've been back there Mm -hmm. in like every other episode you go back there (laughs) there was no there was i have given up on the concept of continuity continuity, yeah show yeah yeah Uh, yeah, but yeah, so uh, Lorelai and Luke kind of have a back and forth, and during the conversation, it does not seem like Luke bends at all. You know, she she's trying to convince him that 
Rachel is really here to stay. And he's, this is when he tells her that like, oh, we've been down this road before. She always mm-hmm. says that she wants to stay and then she leaves. And here's my thing with Rachel is like, if you actually want to convince him that you're here to stay, maybe just staying is what would convince him of that. <laughs> yes. I think that's a like, very good point. And also I think this scene might be, because uh, it's very awkward. And, yes, and I, I think it might be Lorelai's way, the writers letting the character Lorelai let Luke know that it's okay with her yeah. if he attaches to Rachel, if he yeah. if he builds a life with her. And she wants, she's giving her permission. Yeah. Because I think they both know that there's an attraction and they have to let that go if he's going to be with Rachel. So, uh, but she's definitely at first intruding on his space. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't like her hanging out with Rachel. She says that, and, and he agrees. Uh, and then he tells her, don't get too attached to her. And Lorelai kind of says, yeah, you're, you're convinced that's what she's going to do. And that's when he says, because that's what she does. Mm-hmm. So, and she, he yeah. also tells her not to talk about him. You will not talk about me. <laughs> yeah. I just think that I'm kind of on Luke's side here. He's the one who has the experience with Rachel. And I, I again, I don't blame Lorelai for wanting to speak on Rachel's behalf and I do think that you're right that part of it is just that she wants to give him her permission essentially because maybe she thinks that that's what's holding him back yeah and you know and he is definitely the kind of person who is really risk averse so she could also be thinking Mm -hmm. that maybe he's blowing things out of proportion because he's so risk averse and and that could be true They both yeah. are. They're very, yeah. very risk averse. Exactly. That's yeah. why they're not together. <laughs> That's why they're not together. But I, but I'm also just like, oh gosh, I feel like if this were a real life situation, I would be totally on Luke's side. And I just think, you know, know, Rachel, there's one way for you to prove this, and it's to actually do it. Because until you actually do it, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, it's interesting. That that's a very good point because for her to do it, she just has to do it. But yeah, for her to sit around it. and talk about it, that just makes us think. You're yeah. going to not do it. Yeah, you're going to leave because you're talking about it. It's been two weeks. Like, how quickly does he need to start trusting mm-hmm. you when you've broken his trust repeatedly before? Just, yeah, just let it let it grow on its own. Let it be mm-hmm. organic. Don't push it because that just tells us you're just going to leave. Exactly. But then the next scene is them going to the weird movie theater that oh, exists oh, oh, inside a house. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh. Yeah, oh, back up because at some point she does say to him... Um, Lorelai does say to Luke unless there's some other reason you don't yes. want to believe her so yes. she tries to get it out in the open and he says like what and then Lorelai won't make the step forward and he doesn't so they have to let it go but maybe that last statement is what gets him thinking the most maybe yeah. maybe it forces him to think Lorelai is out of my reach I am never going to get her the way that she asks it is very safe She's she yeah. keeps it very vague. She says, unless there's some other reason, which is not really her putting herself on the line. Mm-mm. It's her giving him an opportunity to put himself on the line. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they and, and it would be a really bad time for him to say that, because, like, it's clear that while Rachel is here, they are together. Like they mm-hmm. have that. She's you know, living with him. Yeah. She's staying with him. So, like, this would be the absolute worst time for him to actually confess his feelings to Lorelai. But then the next scene, they're going to the movie theater that exists inside a house. And 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 the lights are up, so yes. we can actually see the room for a change, because usually they walk in and the lights are down. Yeah. So the lights are up, and it's like, okay, there's our fourth, there's our fifth space. So we're seeing this room, and it's just, 
it's a really small room. It's a yeah. living room. It's a living yeah. room. It's a living room that looks like it can maybe fit 15 people at a stretch. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But to be fair, it does also look like like it's not it, it doesn't look like a thing that needs to like perpetuate itself. It almost seems like maybe this is just someone's house who happens to have a projector and they're not really like this isn't their main business. This is just a thing they do on the weekends or something. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. They just love movies. But in this case, it is the queen of outer space. Yes, starring it's, Zsa Zsa Gabor. Is that what? I didn't even notice. I was going to say, this is so bad, I've never even heard of it. So, well, and Zsa yeah, Zsa to me, what's funny is like they go to see these like terrible old B movies from the 50s, like these sci fi movies from the 50s, but at the same time, Lorelei and Rory have the audacity to look down on someone who has a Star Trek t shirt. Like, if yeah. you're talking about B, like B sci fi movies from the 50s versus mm-hmm. Star Trek, Star Trek is way more respectable and better than like, and I'm someone who used to watch B movies. I've like, I've, I've seen the original The Day the Earth Stood Still. I mean, that one's pretty good. That's not a B um, movie. <laughs> <laughs> that that's a pretty great good, but, movie but like i've seen but, a bunch of these movies yeah, and i've also seen yeah. star trek and i'm i will just say right out the original star trek way more watchable than most b science fiction oh movies. yeah the, the first especially the first season really good mm-hmm. show and, and even even the second and third season when it got a little campy it was still still m- better than anything on, on television in the 60s yeah <laughs> and yeah still better than most television from the time period and definitely better than these silly little sci-fi movies oh there were so many of them and my dad went to see every one of them and i i mean to tell you it was i didn't see this one but it sounds terrible anyway so but all the chairs also in the movie living room are uncomfortable looking i mean none of them look so uncomfortable so that yeah the, the the plot thing that's happening in this scene is that uh luke shows up with rachel and they're being much more openly romantic than they have mm-hmm. been so puts far his arm around her and he puts his arm around her and my exact thought was I, I even wrote this down boy that looks like an awkward chair to put your hand around oh my god the it looks whole thing. so uncomfortable now, wooden uh like old wooden chairs old wooden chairs and, yeah and din- diner chairs some yeah. upholstered diner chairs and Kirk is sitting behind Rory behind, and Lorelai. Yeah. And of course he starts the minute the minute he sits down, he gives them a dirty look. And I, mm-hmm. I wrote down in my notes, the movie hasn't even started yet. Uh, and he's he's giving them a dirty look for talking yes. and hasn't started yet. And and then eventually he says something to them and she says to him, The movie hasn't even started yet. But then I mm-hmm. also put down, but maybe he knows how she is. She mm-hmm. does talk through movies. She's done this before, we've seen her do it. That's true. And it's it's, and it's rude. But, anyway, but also, so, Kirk is just like an ornery person. <laughs> and the best line in the episode is what I wrote down. He And I think this is Kirk's line. He says, I like to have silence to cleanse my mental palate. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty funny. Before the movie starts. <laughs> that is pretty funny. Maybe that can be our alternate title. I like to have silence to cleanse my mental palate. That's your, that is your, or just my mental palate. Some, yeah, that, that's our alternate title for sure. Anyway, it's, it's, uh, this is a funny episode. There are lots of, I mean, we always get a lot of one-liners in this in this show, but this whole episode has been just full of comic moments that it, it feels like it's getting to be the end of the season and the writers have been holding on to this stuff until now. Anyway. So. Yeah. Oh, and then, of course, Kirk's phone goes off shortly of into the movie. Of course it does. 
and he yeah. can't turn it off, so he has to leave. <laughs> All right, so yeah, there's that scene. And then the next scene is another Friday night. We've done a whole week in this episode, and we get mm-hmm. to another Friday night at the grandparents' house, and this is when... Emily reveals why she was asking all those questions. She has set up a whole bedroom for Rory. And it's a a huge room. It is quite beautiful. I do think it skews younger than Rory. It 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 looks more like a room for like a 10 or 12, 10 to 12 year old than like a 16 year old. A lot of stuffed animals. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of stuffed animals, which, you know, some girls keep stuffed animals. I mean, I, I, yeah, I I still do. I I have a set of three stuffed animals that are like, you know, they're like designer stuffed, not designer stuffed animals, but like one of them was like designed by an artist. I have like stuffed animals. I have two sitting in my window right now, right in front of me. So (laughs) yeah. Yeah. But these are like, there's a, there's like tons of pillows on the bed. The stuffed animals are fluffy. Everything is very feminine. Uh, and she's got the, the bedding is all white. Yeah, the bedding is all white, and she's got framed posters of both In Sync and Ninety Eight Degrees. I didn't see a Backside Boys one. No, but... <laughs> the Backside Boys. No, um, uh, but, but there's a, see... there's a roaring fl- roaring fire in the fireplace. Yes. The bedroom mm-hmm. has a fireplace. It's and lush. sun and sunflowers on on the mantle. Yes, it is way bigger than the than the shed that they mm-hmm. that they the and two it's... of them lived in. It's way bigger than Rory's actual bedroom, too. It's, oh, it's yeah. a huge room. It's huge. And, yeah. and it's only there in case, you know, if you ever need to stay here, if your mom goes out of town, you have a place to stay if you need it. Yeah, it's also, it's really there as kind of Emily's revenge against oh. Lorelai. She wants Lorelai, you know, she wants to show Rory what Lorelai didn't, chose not to do for her. Mm-hmm. And that she chose to do for her. It, it, it's it's revenge. I yeah. mean, it's just... And the- Oh, after Rorelai, after Rorelai, wow, after Rory leaves the room, uh, Emily and Lorelai get into a really intense argument right away. And you can tell that Lorelai is blown away. She had, she did not realize this was coming. She, I think she didn't know that Rory took Emily to the potting shed. And even if she did, she didn't see Emily's reaction to it. So she's like, she even says something like, I, I missed the, the starting flag or whatever. I'm not sure. I don't, I don't understand when we started arguing, but Emily goes after her she reveals all of her anger in this scene Mm -hmm. just kind of chews her apart and says you know i can't believe that you would rather have been a a hobo on the street than have stayed with us that you hated us so much that you would have preferred this terrible life and you know lorelei tries to be reasonable with her she she tries to say like you know i i needed to be on my own and I, you know, I didn't mm-hmm. have a lot of choices, but I made a good life. But Emily just does not want to hear it. Emily never wants to hear it. And that is yep. why we get to the scene when they're walking later. She's, and the, it comes up because Rory says to her, why didn't you explain all this to her? And she mm-hmm. says, I have tried. She mm-hmm. does not hear me. She doesn't want to listen. She doesn't want to hear me. She is never going to want to listen. Mm-hmm. She doesn't believe her. Mm-hmm. Emily doesn't believe her because it's so far out of her comfort zone. Yeah. Why would anybody choose to live in a in a tool in a potting shed when you could have a beautiful room with sunflowers yeah. and and a a roaring fire, a roaring fire, a roaring, <laughs> a, a roaring roaring fire in in a in a mansion? Yeah. What? Why would you give that up? And Emily still views Lorelai's decision to leave home as like a personal rebuke, as an insult, really. Yeah. She's incapable of seeing that 
Lorelai needed to live her own life. That in order for Lorelai to be happy, she needed to do what she did. Uh, well, and, and you know what bothers me about this whole thing is that it is a trope in some ways because yeah. there, there's a constant, there's a there's a way overused d- division between you know parents who have money and and children who go out on their own and and reject their parents' lifestyle over and over again in movies and television and. It's just, it's a, it's a simplistic approach to storytelling, I think. And the people, yeah. or filmmakers and TV writers rely on it too much. And, and, and what's happening here is that they are not resolving anything. Yeah. You know, at some point, why doesn't, I mean, Emily's a smart woman. She is a smart woman. She is highly educated. She has met people from all over the world. Why can she not grow why is she mm-hmm. not growing why yeah. is she not moving beyond this anger and and trying to build something i mean clearly she wants to build a life with her child and grandchild that's why she set this whole thing up yeah. to have them come over on friday nights yeah. if she's willing to do that why can she not take a good hard look at, at her daughter's life and see it as a success why does she yeah. it, it's just Emily's not i mean she's stubborn but she's also smart. I, I don't, yeah. it does not, it doesn't jive for me. It doesn't work for me. I think that the writers are being lazy. I mean, I don't know that it's necessarily that they're being lazy. I think it's that this is a television show and they wanted to do more than one season. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. there has to be, there has to yeah. be tension. <laughs> to a certain, because it's, I mean, you know, in a lot of ways, the Gilmore Girls as a show functions a bit more like a sitcom than like a drama. I mean, not completely. Over time, the characters do grow, but it's a really slow growth. Uh, and a lot of the time, the episode yeah. ends with it's everyone in the slow. same place. And yeah. we were still, at, at this point in time in history, we still had TV shows that went on for seven and eight and nine and ten seasons. Nowadays, yeah. that just doesn't happen. I mean, yeah. there, there are a few, like NCIS that has been on for mm-hmm. 20 years. There are a few shows like that, but nothing is gun smoke anymore. Nothing, nothing lasts that long. Friends yeah. was a long time. Friends was seven. Or 10 seasons. Oh, it was 10 seasons, yeah. 10 seasons. That doesn't happen anymore. And this may be one of the last. And so to make it happen. There is one exception, uh, Supernatural, which only ended like a year or two ago. That show went on for 15 years. (laughs) I I don't even know what that show is. (laughs) It was, it's the show that Dean went on to. Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jared Padalecki (laughs) went on to Supernatural and that show went on for 15 years. But but that's kind of the the exception. That's the only one I know of from recent times that lasted that long. And but there's a reason why is my point for that. Yeah, Yeah. it's unusual because it's hard if you set up a, uh, a conflict like this. You have to resolve it at some point. People get yeah. sick of it and, yeah. or find new conflicts or something. Yeah. But so they've got to resolve this at some point. And we're at the end, of, almost at the end of the first season. And it, they're not even close. Not they're even close. They're nowhere close, close yeah. to, being, to being resolved. So Yeah, for sure. Uh, anyway. So, yeah. So after that, they go to Luke's diner again. Uh, it's kind of a whole repeat of the beginning of the episode. But things. the main thing that has actually changed is that now Luke is committing to Rachel and Rachel mm-hmm. is expresses her gratitude to Lorelai 
uh, gets her some pie and they kind of have chocolate with chocolate sauce on it (laughs) and she reveals that Luke has given her a key to his place and cleared out a drawer for her to put stuff in and then we get this shot of uh, everyone else kind of talking and laughing and Lorelai just has kind of a quiet moment where she's sort of staring off into the middle distance and you can kind of see this sad acceptance of what's happening mm-hmm. you know she realizes that Luke really probably isn't an option for her anymore um, and th- mm-hmm. there's no words to it there's just kind of a moment where the camera lingers on her face and she looks kind of distraught not mm-hmm. like you know not like she's about to make a scene but it's just this, this quiet moment of like well damn he really is moving on well and it's very sweet too because she has made a sacrifice yes. she really wasn't certain she still, she you know, hasn't been certain all this whole season. She doesn't know. I mean, she had the relationship with what's his name, Max. <laughs> Ma- Max, and probably won't admit it to anybody. But probably has gone back and forth in her mind about how she feels about Luke. But she steps back and lets Rachel have the day because, first of all, she's not sure about Luke. She's she's worried about it. She's anxious about it. She still has feelings for Max. So there's all that going on, but she realizes that she also has to do this for Luke, who is her friend. Yes. He he needs he doesn't doesn't deserve he doesn't shouldn't have to be alone. He, yeah. You know, I think she realizes that he will be happy with Rachel mm-hmm. and she wants him to be happy. So it is a sacrifice on her part. And that's on her face too at the end there. So yeah. All setting up the the final scenes of the series of the uh, the season. Yeah, we've we've got two episodes left. Uh, this, I mean, yeah, I guess I guess we can go ahead and move into the summary portion. Um, th- this episode was jam packed with stuff. Considering that we have some episodes where it feels like nothing happens, it feels like a lot of stuff happened in this episode. Oh yeah. <laughs> And, and yeah, and we've set up a couple of long-running plot points. Mainly the Dragonfly Inn is something that continues to be a plot point. You know, Lorelai and Suki spend... I, I don't I don't remember how long the, this I arc say it's, lasts, it's, but it, it takes it's a while. It's the second this is or like, third season. I don't, I don't think it's right away. Yeah, maybe it's they, not right maybe away. Maybe they're working on it next season, yeah. but it doesn't happen until the third season, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, one of the longer-running arcs of the show is Lorelai and Suki getting ready to try and open their own inn and leave the one that they're currently working at. And similarly, I honestly, I feel like Rachel does kind of come and go throughout the series, but I don't super remember. So don't don't take my word on it. To me, this seems like the episode where it was most apparent that Lorelai is is on some level aware of her feelings for Luke. Yeah, I think she is too. Despite the fact that there was no real dialogue about it. This is the one where she has really had to like think about her feelings yeah. for Luke. I, I kind of thought after I watched it last night that it was a filler episode because it didn't seem to me at that point that a lot of significant stuff had happened. I don't think it is. No, I mean, as, I, we, as we've talked, I've realized, no, there's a lot of stuff being set up here, a lot of stuff yeah. being addressed. There are continuity problems, of course, but there always are yeah, in the show. There always are. Um, and, and, and it's an Emily episode. I mean, yes. it's, not, it's, not, it's not a school episode. It's kind of a town episode but i think it's an emily episode because i think we get we don't get an explanation but we do get questions and we get conflicts that shouldn't be there emily should be getting better not worse she's two steps forward it's one step forward and two steps back with her and this is one of her her two steps back with because she Rory really wanted Emily to be included in the family. She wanted her to see the town. She wanted to be uh, wanted her grandmother to be a part of their life because yes. they have made a real concerted effort over the course of this season to be a part of Emily.
family's life. You know, they've come to her shindigs. You know, they've let her, her throw parties for them. She, you know, they have been a part of her life. They wanted, um, Rory wanted her to be a part of theirs. Yeah. And, but you can't turn back time. And so it's, Emily wasn't there when they made this choice to live in the mm-hmm. potting shed. And even if she had been there, she probably couldn't have talked her daughter out of it. Although if she'd known, knowing knowing Emily, she probably would have gotten a lawyer and sued her daughter for custody. That's so it's a good thing she didn't yeah. know. And at 16, yeah. she would have had a good case. So it's a good. So that's why she hid from her, probably. Yeah. She knew her mother. She knew what she would do. She knew she would try to take her child away. Yeah. So, um, so she hid from her until she was of age and had proven herself as a mother and then reestablished a relationship with her. So the good and bad about her not seeing the potting shed, she probably would have taken action. But at the same time... Because she wasn't there, she didn't get to experience the joy that her daughter felt at the beginning of Rory's life. And yeah. and I can tell you from my own experience as a mother, those first two or three years are joyous and beautiful and hard. They're mm-hmm. hard, but they're so full of joy that you don't even notice. And that's what she didn't share with her mother. So it's sad. Yep, it is sad. And yeah, and you know, like Emily doesn't, move that much forward in this episode but i do think her seeing the potting shed in itself is is kind of a step forward because it's kind of forcing her to look at the reality of what happened but much like with the uh exchange at the beginning where she has the opportunity to understand that the reason that lorelei burned the baby pictures was because of her behavior but she doesn't see it similarly she sees the potting shed, she sees where Lorelai chose to live, and does not connect the dots that it's because of her behavior that that happened. Yes, exactly. And I, I don't remember, does she ever? <laughs> That's an open-ended question. We don't have to answer it today, but I, I don't. I didn't see the whole series. I didn't watch the yeah. last couple of seasons. I don't know what happened in there, and the, the seasons that I did see, I don't remember because it's been 20 years. But I'm hopeful. Because I yeah. do like Emily's character, and I love the actress. Yeah. She is, she's actually in a couple of, she's been in Mrs. Maisel, and in a couple of other shows, and she's had, she just made an appearance. Yeah, I think it was Mrs. Maisel. She was just in an episode of Mrs. Maisel a couple weeks ago, and she she's a prisoner. She's a convict. She plays this woman prisoner who is as hard as, is opposite Emily as you are ever going to see. I mean, she's hard, <laughs> hard edged and just, you know, and talks with a, a like a Brooklyn criminal accent. All right. <laughs> got, All right. She is, she is an amazing actress. I really love her. But anyway, so do you have anything else? Nope. That's it. Uh, all right. Well, that's your listeners is all for today. I'm Tessa Dare. You can find me at my website, tessadare.com, where you can sign up for my email list, or you can follow me on Instagram at author.tess.adare, or on TikTok at author.tess.adare, and that's T-E-S, sorry, T-E-S-S dot A-D-A-I-R. And if you want to support us on Patreon, we are at patreon.com slash where you lead. Okay. And I'm Beth Von Baron. You can follow me on Instagram at STL underscore writer underscore Beth or sign up for my weekly Substack email, Saturday Morning Musings at stlwriterbeth.substack.com. This has been Where You Lead, our fun and witty podcast about the Gilmore Girls from the perspective of a mother and daughter. 
Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed it, and we'll tune in for our next episode in two weeks. See you then. Bye.